Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. We now join our senior pastor, Dr. Chris Walker. This Communion Sunday, I invite you to take your Bibles and open with me to Proverbs chapter 2, if you would. We're working our way through this Old Testament book of wisdom, a book given by God that His people might know wisdom and instruction. And we're in the midst right now of Solomon's opening case for wisdom, which takes place in the first nine chapters of this book. Last week, if you were with us, we looked at two paths that are before us, a path of folly leading to death and a a path of wisdom and the fear of the Lord, which leads to security and hope and peace. Now, as we move to chapters 2 through 4, Solomon's going to expound more on this path of wisdom, this invitation that wisdom is calling out with. You know, if we think about the life of wisdom as a house, We've already said that the foundation of the house is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But in these next three chapters, Solomon's going to describe for us three pillars, if you will, three commitments of the heart or attitudes of the heart that are necessary for a life of wisdom. So imagine ourselves building this house of wisdom from God's Word. We have the foundation in the fear of the Lord, and now today we'll find this first pillar in Proverbs chapter 2. Would you read with me from God's Word? My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul." Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the way of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her path to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. For the wicked wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Father, would you use your word in our hearts this morning that we might know you for Christ's sake. We pray it. Amen. 
You know, one of the ironies of life is that the same substance can give you life or kill you, depending on the source. I remember reading Laura Hillenbrand's book, Unbroken. I know some of you have read that book or seen the movie about Louis Zamperini, who crashed into the Pacific Ocean during World War II and survived for 47 days on a raft in the Pacific Ocean. At one point, Zamperini mentions the terrible irony that the one thing he needs to stay alive is water. And here he is surrounded as far as his eye can see by water that will kill him if he drinks it, because the source matters. I think also of a friend of mine as a, a, a missionary in a sensitive area. He just returned to the United States for the first time in five years, and he has some young children who've never been in the United States before. And he told me that the cultural differences really came home to him when he introduced his kids to drinking fountains. His kids could not believe that it was possibly safe that their dad was telling them to drink public water. I said, of course, in some countries, drinking public water will lead to life. In others, it will make you sick or even kill you because the source matters. And you know, the same is true when it comes to wisdom. There are many people and sources that you can look to for guidance in life. It could be Confucius. It could be TikTok. It could be your friends. It could be the Dalai Lama or YouTube or or the Bible. There's all sorts of sources of wisdom out there, but every one of us will take advice or follow the example of someone when we decide how to live our lives and what makes sense and what is right and wrong and how we ought to live. And the source matters because some wisdom will lead to life, but other sources will lead to death. And that's why Solomon urges us this morning to adopt the first pillar of a life of wisdom. And that is this, a heart ready to listen to the Lord, who is the only true source of wisdom. A heart ready to listen to the Lord, who is the only source of true wisdom. That's the main point of the chapter before us. Now in Hebrew, Proverbs chapter 2 is actually one long sentence. You don't see that in your English translations, but it's a 22-verse poem in which Solomon first describes how to get wisdom, and then he reviews the benefits of wisdom. And so we're going to follow the same outline. So let's start by looking at how to get wisdom in verses 1 through 6. If you were with us in Proverbs chapter 1, there was a natural question coming out of that chapter because they had described a path of folly that would lead to death. And if that path is so dangerous, but the path of wisdom is so good, how and where can I find wisdom in order to follow its path? In the midst of his distress and in the the uh, unsatisfying claims of his friends, it's the same question Job asked. In Job 28, 12, he said, where shall wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? So Solomon is going to direct us here. How, where can we find this wisdom? And here's Solomon's claim. He says, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and seek it like silver, search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
Now, right off the bat, I want us to realize what a statement of profound majesty and high glory it is that Solomon would tell us that there is a way for us to find the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. Because Solomon has already told us that the fear of the Lord is the foundation or the necessary prerequisite to obtaining wisdom. But the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God is a great good. In fact, it's the greatest good. It's God's own chief desire for his people. Do you remember what God said to Israel in Hosea 6, 6? I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Or do you remember that great vision that the prophet Isaiah gave to Israel in Isaiah 11, verse 9? He was talking about the Messiah, the root that would come from the stump of Jesse. And he said this Messiah would bring about the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. See, the knowledge of God that implies a relational knowledge, that we know God and are in covenant relationship with Him, and also a knowledge of His will, that we know His Word and and how to follow Him. This, This fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God are two great goods that are held out to us and are surely the the sources, the foundation of a life of wisdom. So how do we get these great goods, this fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God? Solomon says, by receiving these words and these commandments, treasuring them up within us and calling for and seeking for wisdom as hidden treasure. Now there are at least four important things we need to note about Solomon's answer here. Here's the first important thing to to note. When Solomon says, my son, if you receive my words, you will find wisdom in the fear of the Lord, he is not saying, just listen to dad and you'll be fine. This is not some father knows best. If you listen to what dad says, you'll find wisdom. That's not what he's saying here. Because look at verse 6. In verse 6, he answers the question, why is it that we'll find wisdom in the fear of the Lord by listening to his words? Because the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In other words, what Solomon is saying is, I'm not just telling you what I think is wise here. I am teaching you God's commandments. I'm speaking to you God's word. I'm giving you God's wisdom. So the source of the wisdom that brings life is God himself. And in Proverbs, Solomon is passing on to us the commandments and the wisdom of the Lord, not just his own thoughts. That's why he can say, treasure up these commandments, for the Lord gives wisdom. That's the first important thing to note about Solomon's answer. The second thing to note is this. We've just heard that the Lord gives wisdom. How does he give it? Well, the way God gives us wisdom and knowledge is through his word. You see that again in verse 6. The Lord gives wisdom, how? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It is the word that the Lord speaks that brings about this wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. The word of God is the heart of our search for wisdom. The word of God brings about the fear of the Lord. It's what gives us wisdom and insight. And this is, of course, what the Scripture says all throughout. Uh, You might think about Psalm 119, beginning in verse 98, where we read, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. 
I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is the source of wisdom and understanding. Or maybe you think in the New Testament of 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16, Paul writes, you have known the sacred writings. What are the sacred writings? The word of God that we have in the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So our starting point needs to be this. The Lord is the source of wisdom, and He gives it through His Word. That is our starting point. Well, the third important thing to note about Solomon's answer is a paradox. That's a paradox that's really uh, very uh, consistent all throughout Scripture, and the paradox is this. We read here that wisdom is a gift given to us by the Lord. The Lord gives wisdom, and yet we're supposed to seek it and search for it diligently like one searches for hidden treasure. Now, most of us don't really go on treasure hunts. I mean, we might go on, a, on a, a treasure hunt that our parents, you know, hide some little clues or something like that. But I mean a real search for treasure. Because most of us, we, we're, we're smart enough to know that, you know, pirate treasure or the Holy Grail, they're not waiting for us under a, a shovel uh, to turn up the earth or something like that. But because of that, we probably have not felt the lure of treasure that drives a total life commitment for its search. But think, think about the gold rushes in the 19th century. The California gold rush that led 300,000 people to leave their homes, sell what they had, trek across mountains and deserts, and invest everything they had in an effort to try to hope they could find some nuggets of gold in the streams of California. Or the Yukon Gold Rush, north in Alaska. A hundred thousand people attempted that journey, which took them, in most cases, more than a year and a half to make. See, Canada required anyone who wanted to go search for gold to carry with them enough supplies to last an entire year so that they wouldn't have dead bodies lining the trail. But in most cases, that meant 2,000 pounds of supplies of food and gear that they would have to go staging journeys back and forth for the, over a year to make it up where they were headed. And why did they do this? What would possibly motivate them? Well, the lure of treasure to seek and to search for something that could change their lives. And that, that is the passion, that all life-altering, our-consuming drive that is to characterize our search for wisdom in the Word of God. In other words, what we're seeing here in, in, in Scripture is this paradox. Just as God saves us, but we're to run after Him in faith, and God sanctifies us, but we're to strive for holiness before the Lord. So the Lord gives us wisdom, but we are to seek it and search for it with all our strength, and we will find it in His Word. That's the third thing to notice. Finally and fourthly, notice the attitude that Solomon tells us we are to have in this search for wisdom. He uses words like a heart inclined and ears attentive to listen and receive wisdom. 
Now, throughout the Old Testament, there is a characteristic that's described uh, again and again. It's a character quality or maybe a posture that we are to have before the Lord. And it could best be described as a heart inclined to listen to and receive the Word of God. You could call it a hearing heart. We can picture an image of a heart with a big ear on it. Or to have hearing hearts or hearts inclined to listen to the Lord. Now, we know what it means to listen or a heart inclined to listen to someone because you know what happens, don't you, as a kid when your mother tells you to clean your room? And you hear the words that she's saying. But of course, you don't want to clean your room. And so whether because you're grumpy or because you're going to get distracted or because you just don't want to, you don't do it. And the question is, have you listened to your mother? And the answer is no. You heard the words, but you didn't listen to her. Because to listen to her implies receiving her word and obeying it. And that's the way Scripture talks as well. You might think of the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3, God says to Adam, because you listened to the voice of Eve and ate the fruit. Right? He didn't just hear Eve's words. He heard them and followed them. Or you might think of Abraham, which God commends because he listened to the Lord. He heard the Lord and he obeyed him. So there's this pattern, this idea of a hearing heart or a heart inclined to listen to the Lord that is the posture that leads to wisdom. And I think we can find this and see this even more specifically if we think about Solomon. You remember Solomon when he prayed to the Lord and asked the Lord for one great desire? In Second Chronicles chapter 1, we read, And Solomon prayed that God would give him wisdom and knowledge that he might govern God's people. But as many of you know, Second Chronicles and First Kings give us the same story, two different versions of the same story. And in First Kings chapter 3, when we read the story, Solomon prays for an understanding mind. And the Hebrew of that phrase literally means a listening heart. What Solomon prayed for was a heart to hear or listen to the Lord. Theologian Walter Brueggemann puts it this way. He said, Solomon's prayer was not simply for wisdom as in he would want to be clever or discerning. No, he prayed for a listening heart that he would be attentive to the Lord's guidance and purpose, that he have the sensitivity and wisdom to order Israel's life and his life according to the will of the Lord. That is what Solomon prayed for. And that is this attitude that is at the heart of our search for wisdom. And so I want to suggest as we're building this house, the foundation of a life of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But this first pillar is a heart to listen to the word of the Lord and receive it and follow it. If we were going to sum up these first six verses, I think we could put it this way. Solomon argues that the Lord gives wisdom and he gives it through his word. And we will find that wisdom in the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God by diligently seeking Him with a listening heart, ready and eager to receive His commandments. When I read these verses, I think of the people of Berea. Do you remember the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 and the way they're described? It says that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. 
Isn't that a great example of looking to the Lord for wisdom in His Word and seeking it with a heart inclined to listen to it and see what is true? So that is Solomon's answer to where wisdom can be found. Well, we've seen this invitation and where wisdom can be found. Solomon spends the rest of the chapter then describing the benefits of seeking wisdom from the Lord. And let's look at those briefly in our time remaining. Solomon begins in verses 7 through 11 by describing the positive blessings we will receive by seeking God's wisdom. He says that if we look to Him for wisdom, God will draw near to the one who comes to Him, not only rewarding their search, but also surrounding them like a shield, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of His saints. Do you notice that this is the same language of protection and security that we heard in chapter 1? In chapter 1, we said that the one who follows the path of wisdom would be secure and dwell at ease without dread of disaster. It's this language of security again. Why? Because the one who looks to the Lord for wisdom, the Lord will watch over his ways and be a shield to him and guard his paths. The Lord God, the the Almighty One, who created the worlds with a word and upholds the earth with his hand, he will shield and guard those who walk in his ways. This is the positive blessing. In addition, the one who listens to the Lord's word will understand righteousness and justice. Wisdom will come into their heart and knowledge will be pleasant to their soul. Once again, we see that the Old Testament does not suggest that we'll achieve righteousness in our own effort. Not at all. No, the Lord gives wisdom. And righteousness and justice and wisdom are the fruit of seeking Him with the heart of faith that receives and submits to Him and to His Word. So in Him, we will come to love knowledge and delight in wisdom and practice righteousness and justice. These are the positive blessings that come from the path of wisdom. But then, after that, do you notice in verses 12 through 19, Solomon says that wisdom will also protect you from serious consequences. It will protect you from the temptations of an evil man and an evil woman. The evil man is described in verses 12 through 15. He is one who spouts perverted speech. Perverted speech is speech that's twisted. Twisted from the truth, and so it is in error, and twisted from righteousness so that it encourages filth and harm and injustice. This man's path forsakes uprightness and delights in evil. And he will invite you and tempt you to follow him. And the evil woman is described in verses 16 to 19. She is an adulteress who tempts you with smooth words to join her in sexual immorality, abandoning the covenant of God. We'll look a lot more at this theme and that invitation in chapters 5 through 7. But for now, Solomon notes that those who listen to her temptation will go down to death and never come back to the paths of life. So wisdom will deliver from these two paths. I think it's interesting, and one author notes, as we read through these verses about the temptation of the evil man and the evil woman, the assumption of Proverbs 2 seems to be that every one of us will be tempted by them. Every one of us will be tempted to sin and immorality. 
And the assumption of Proverbs 2 is that on our own we stand no chance and we will fall to these temptations unless we look to the Lord or only the Lord and His gift of wisdom through His Word gives us any hope of protection against these temptations. There's a positive blessing. Wisdom protects us from these temptations, but Solomon's not done. In verses 20 to 22, he gives us the greatest blessing, if you will, raising the stakes even further. Here in these verses, we read that the upright will inhabit the land and remain in it, whereas the wicked will be cut off and rooted out of the land. Now, when you read those words, that the upright will be established in the land, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, have you heard those words before? Do those words sound familiar from the Old Testament and God's Word? They're straight out of Deuteronomy. These are the langu- this is the language of blessing and curse that God gave to Israel for obedience or disobedience. And immediately what this tells us again is that Proverbs is not just some random book of wise advice. This is covenant language. This is a book for God's people reminding them of the blessings and cursings of obeying the Lord and His Word or forsaking it. Reminding them that if Israel will respond to the steadfast love and redemption of the Lord, fearing Him, keeping His commandments, they will be established in the land. He would be their God. They would be His people. And He would encamp around them to secure them. But if they turn away from Him and reject Him, and live like the nations around them, according to the wisdom of their own eyes, they will be cut off from the land. The land will vomit them out, Leviticus 18 says, out of the place where God dwells into suffering and punishment. These are the stakes of following the wisdom from the Lord according to His Word and rejecting Him. And here's the thing. God has repeatedly shown that neither the promises of blessing or the threats of punishment are empty because he has repeatedly fulfilled both. The promises came true under the godly leadership of David in the early days of Solomon or under the, the leadership of men like Hezekiah in days of obedience. But the promised consequences for disobedience also have always come true. It is true that thanks to the mercy of God, they don't always come true the immediate second we sin. In fact, Psalm 73 says that sometimes it even looks like the wicked are doing okay. But God's Word always comes true. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Israel was sent into exile. Jerusalem was cut off and destroyed by Rome because God's words were true. And so we dare not take lightly either the threatened consequences for rejecting the Lord, but don't also take lightly the promise of blessing for seeking Him in His Word. But here's the other thing, the final thing for us this morning. As we read through the pages of the Old Testament, it becomes clear that despite these warnings against sin and folly, and despite the clear blessings of wisdom and the fear of the Lord, all people, Jew and Gentile, repeatedly take the path of folly and sin. Though God has given us all the truth we need in His law and His Word, because of sin, 
If we're going to have any hope, something more is needed. And the Old Testament itself tells us that. It tells us we should be looking for something more. 2 Samuel 7, God tells David that he will establish his people in the land and give them this peace and security. But he's going to do it through a descendant of David who will come and establish it forever. Even the Old Testament pointed us ahead. Isaiah 11, the shoot of Jesse will come with the spirit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord to bring the knowledge of God throughout the earth. We're looking ahead. And so when we turn to the New Testament, our hearts beat with a new hope when a descendant of David comes and announces that he's here to bring the kingdom of God. And he invites us all to to come through faith in him. The despair of sin and death and its consequences face a new gleam of hope when this Jesus offers to wash us clean in his blood and to pour out his Holy Spirit on us who will fill us with the fruits of wisdom and righteousness. Our hope grows again when we read in Hebrews 4 verse 3 that if we've come to share in Christ through faith in him, then we can enter the rest that Israel so longed for in the promised land. And we rejoice with an even greater joy when we read in John 3 that if we believe in the name of Jesus, we will find eternal life and blessing in the presence of God. And all of this does not mean that there was something wrong with Proverbs. Not at all. Proverbs is true righteousness, wisdom, and revelation from God that we might know wisdom and find life. And we should study it and delight in it. But the testimony of Scripture and of history is that it is only in Christ as He gives us His Spirit that we will be able to have this hearing heart that listens to His Word and lives according to it for the glory of His name. And because of that, the riches of Proverbs are yet another reason for us to rejoice in Christ as we come to the table in front of us where we remember that if our faith is in Him, He has washed us clean from our sin and invited us to fellowship with Him here by faith, being nourished and strengthened in Him for the life He calls us to live and the wisdom He alone makes possible. So may we come to this table with such a hope for the riches of this wisdom through Jesus Christ our Savior. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we thank you for Proverbs, for its true warnings, for its invitation to blessing in life. Oh, Father, may we come to you through your word. Would you give us wisdom? And oh, Father, as we read your word, it points us again and again to your son, Jesus Christ. And so may we come through faith in him, the true source of every treasure of wisdom and knowledge. And as we come to the table this morning, would we treasure this Christ and be built up in him all the more. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.